to say. Deadpan who says that, like, witty <laughs> banter is not cool. It's very cool. It is. Episode of Center Ed Teaching. Um, we have a special little podcast today where the first part, Roberta and I are going to discuss what a quality review is, what its purpose is, and how this connects to the framework for great schools. Uh, for the latter part of this podcast, though, we have some real New York City teachers in um, to discuss with us what the quality review lay- is like at a school level to give us a better sense of how are these policies and practices kind of converging in schools and what does that mean for teachers. Um, remember to subscribe, like, review the podcast, make us important in Apple's world. Um, you can get all the resources that you need from the podcast, including the helpful show notes from this episode at uh, cpet.tc.columbia.edu. Um, and beyond that, plugging right there, I guess, Roberta, let's get right into it. What is a quality review? Quality review is one of two qualitative evaluations of schools. Most evaluations of schools come from the student data, the graduation data. We've talked a lot about that in previous pods. But then the quality review is the only time that someone actually comes in to look at your building. It's the only time that a human being is actually interacting with the principal, with the students, with the teachers, and with uh, the whole school community. Even the learning environment survey, which is more perception-based, it ends up being just another data point. It's an anonymous survey that teachers and parents and sometimes students fill out about the school, but it just gets boiled down to, you know, one, two, three, four coupled in these buckets Mm -hmm. and then sort of spit out in terms of these ratios. So the quality review is really the only human-to-human review process for schools in a city. They have a a very extensive rubric that has shifted a little bit over time. It used to have five domains with four indicators in each domain. Um, It's now shrunk uh, quite a bit. And now they have just 10 major indicators um, that are aligned with three different topics. The instructional core, which is consistent with the framework for great schools, Mm -hmm. school culture, and systems for improvement. And these 10 indicators across those three domains really begin to create a pathway for promising practices for a school. These are research-based methodologies, and the city is basically saying, if your school does these things at a high level, you will have a very high quality and highly effective school. Quality reviews rate schools on each of the 10 indicators on a one, two, three, or four scale, one being underdeveloped, or ineffective, two being developing, three being proficient, and four being well-developed. Schools that have uh, proficient and well-developed traits are often given high praise, and schools with developings and ineffective are often uh, much more heavily scrutinized. And so this that's kind of an insight into what the um, things that are being looked for are and kind of gives us a visual image of how you have these actors from the state coming in, observing classrooms, talking with students. But what is really the purpose Mm -hmm. of the quality review? Why is this something that, in addition to standardized testing, framework for great schools, all the other stuff that we've talked about on previous podcasts, what is the purpose of this and how is it a little bit different? The idea that you can have a sort of live review that, that the numbers don't tell the whole story, mm. that a picture of the school is not the school itself, 
is really where the quality review has become a value. It's the only non-data point that is used to drive a school's evaluation. And so it's actually in school's best interest to present well and to really think thoughtfully about how they're going to support their quality review and how they're going to implement these practices in their school. Because this is the building blocks, they think, towards high student achievement. If we implement these promising practices as they're outlined in the quality review, then my data should be going up. Then my school, my students should be graduating at a higher level. Then my teachers are going to feel more connected. We're going to be more grounded in promising practices. Um, so that's one of the reasons why it's important. And I think that it really it shows that even though there have been massive amounts of changes and transitions in the Department of Education and in the national education philosophies, the quality review has gone through three DOE chancellors uh, and, and has been in place now for over 13 years. So it, it does end up seeming to be one area that people really are committed to saying, even though our belief in how much the data of a school should play a role mm-hmm. in its evaluation, it's inappropriate not to have some form of a live actual mm-hmm. review or interview of, of the school building. Most schools receive a quality review uh, once a year. Um, highly developed schools or schools that get well-developed for so many years um, may start to get their reviews on a, on a more delayed structure, a uh, more delayed schedule, once every couple of years, once every three years. Um, and schools that are heavily scrutinized because of poor performance in previous reviews or in the data are going to see more frequent reviews. And so recently, most of the quality reviews are now done by the superintendent of the school's district or a representative from the superintendent's office. Um, so thank you. I think that's really helpful and sets the frame. And so just to preview the conversation that you're about to hear, you're going to hear um, teachers' views on the quality review process in schools. And I think it's important when you hear that conversation to keep in mind that Roberta and I have just tried to lay the framework for ideally how a quality review works and the purpose behind that. Um, and we can see maybe there's some disconnect. There's also a beautiful plug for uh, CPET services, which I think you will find invigorating, as I did. Um, and you'll also just see teachers who are really dedicated to their, or here, excuse me, teachers who are really dedicated to their practice and improving their schools and trying to find tangible ways to do that. I mean, it's such a great conversation. I loved getting to know the teachers today. And shout out to our uh, facilitators, Laura and Jackie, who've been working with this team of teachers uh, all school year. It's just a really lovely group. Um, I want to frame that for the teachers sharing today, their experience in quality review has been as a teacher, Mm -hmm. which means that they're getting visited by the quality reviewer. They're sometimes getting pulled into teams of teachers who are being interviewed by a quality reviewer. And they're watching their students be interviewed by quality reviewers either in the classroom or outside of the classroom. Um, Some parts that um, don't come out in the conversation today about the quality review maybe are more on the administrative side where an administrator might talk about their individual Mm. one-on-one conversation with the reviewer, the pressure that they're having, um, the writing of the self-assessment that the school has to do and present to the reviewer uh, over a week beforehand. So there are a lot of things about quality review that maybe don't come up here. Um, 
because that are part of the quality review, but maybe mm-hmm. don't aren't elevated by the teachers because the teachers haven't had that one-to-one experience with them. But their view is so wonderful and so unique because it's just like happening live. They just walk into your classroom. There they are, and you better hope you're doing well. And I know that that's something that they expressed. So um, I'm excited to hear them talk. All right. Thank you. We'll catch you guys on the other side of the conversation. All right. So... Um, For this episode of Center Ed Teaching, we are surrounded by some illustrious teachers from New York City. And so instead of me introducing everyone, we're just going to go around and everyone's going to say their first name so that our listeners can get acquainted with who is here. So on my left. Hi, I'm Nikki. Justine. Ivana. Kayla. Shanique. Kristen. Roberta. I'm Laura. Jackie. (laughs) Um, so after that totally cool introduction, um, we're now actually going to get into the topic that we're discussing here today, which is um, quality review. And instead of just thinking about this in the abstract, we want to start off by asking everyone who's here, what has your experience been with quality reviews? Yeah, please, Kristen. Thank you. Um, I've participated in three quality reviews in my teaching career and overall the atmosphere in the school for me is usually pretty stressful Mm. at the teaching level. What makes it so stressful? Um, I feel like a lot of times it's not clearly laid out what's expected or what they're coming to do and what kind of questions you're going to be asked so often as a teacher you're kind of in an unknown area and then it happens and then you get you hear afterwards what goes on and it's either great or not so great. If you don't mind me asking you just one more follow-up question, could you paint a picture? So, like, you're in your classroom, you just have strangers pop up. I mean, what does this look like on the ground? Yeah, so you're usually teaching, and it's always, like, a team of people that consists of the administration and then maybe, like, two or three or maybe more outside people from the state, I want to say. And um, they come in, and they'll usually, whatever you're working on, ask your students questions. So you might feel, depending on the culture in your room what kids are they choosing, and how you feel about that. Um, And then they just leave, and you wait, and you wait to hear what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously not a lot of communication. I'm curious if anyone else here has had similar experiences or maybe different experiences. Yeah, please. Uh, Yeah, um, I found that, like Kristen said, it's extremely stressful to the point where, just because you need everything to be perfect because it's such a short snapshot Mm -hmm. of what's going to take place in your room. So it could be a perfect moment where all your kids are on point, they're saying the right things, um, your routines are flowing well, or it could be right at the moment that your kid is having a natural breakdown Mm -hmm. and has just decided Mm -hmm. to have a meltdown in the middle of the room and everyone has to grab Mm -hmm. and get attention with and give their attention to them and, um, and they walk in. And then when they walk in, that... That's what they see. Is the label mm-hmm. of who you are as an educator. Mm-hmm. That's who you are as an educator. That's who that's how your classroom is run all the time. That's your management style. That's mm-hmm. everything. And you get labeled as that. And if there is a bad review, like let's mm-hmm. say that there was um uh sorry, like an indicator that was you got developing mm-hmm. in. Most likely if you were one of the teachers that had a moment in your room when they came in, then it would be your fault. Mm-hmm. And you will be labeled as that, and it'll be talked about throughout the year, and you'll hear about it. And whenever they're addressing you, they'll always address you with that in the back of their mind mm-hmm. that the teacher who messed up the quality uh, review. I think that's such an interesting point because the quality review takes little pictures of snapshots of classrooms, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They maybe see five or six classrooms out of 30. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they come for 10 
minutes, yeah. maybe 12, mm-hmm. right, at a time. Mm-hmm. But then each of those classrooms is used as, as a, to understand the school as a whole. Yes. So if I saw it here, it's likely everywhere. If I exactly. saw it in three rooms, right. it's likely everywhere. Right. And if it's likely everywhere today, it's likely everywhere every day. Every day. And those are the assumptions that they make in the review process that may or may not feel fair right. as a teacher. Absolutely. So actually, if you don't mind, I just want to ask a couple follow-up questions and then um, we'll move to someone else. But when you say it's stressful, is it stressful that day or the week before? Or is this something Mm. where your school's putting mandates on you for testing and you're constantly thinking about it? Mm. Or does it have this added factor because it's like that day, holy cow, people just showed up in my room? Yeah, great question. Um, (laughs) I think the stress levels, it it builds throughout the time. So Mm. at first, it depends on the school that you've been in. Like I've seen it in two different schools. And so in the first school, there was stress all throughout. Mm -hmm. So that day, it wasn't as stressful because what they did was is that they told you about it for the two weeks prior and you were just prepping and they put the stress on you to prep. And then I've been in another school where there's a lax. We all know it's coming. Everyone knows, should know what's expected. That's like the famous quote that goes in the building. Like you should know what's expected. And so that there is no preparation. So that day there's immediate stress and there's a higher level of stress than there should be just because now you don't know what's expected of you and you don't know if you did well and you don't know if this is going to make your principal happy and you don't know if you did something wrong because there was no discussion about it before. So the lack of the communication yeah. really adds to that stress. Yeah. Laura, are you going to add a few thoughts? I was going to say, as a coach, um, I was just at a school last week in the Bronx, a high school, that mm-hmm. just had a quality review. The results come back and I was at um, a staff meeting where the principals delivering the review to the teachers and it was so demoralizing the, the mm-hmm. principal was mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. frustrated mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he he mm-hmm. felt that the um, quality review person didn't see anything good mm-hmm. and for instance they didn't see something they've been working on all year like annotation like they didn't see any evidence of it they didn't see any actionable feedback like these are the terms they were using mm-hmm. and he he almost felt like they didn't look for it or they didn't want to see it because mm. He found that this same reviewer gave effective ratings to other schools that he believes his school is more effective than <laughs> because he's visited those schools and he gave and this quality reviewer gave his school a developing and he mm-hmm. just felt like it was really unjust and he was going to try to um, fight some of the mm-hmm. ratings but it really put the school in turmoil um, it, and it lowered the morale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that gets to a point that we've been talking about in the previous podcast is that it makes sense to want to hold schools accountable to do well, but the way Definitely. we go about doing it yeah. can create stress <laughs> and kind of this discord. Nikki, did you want to add something? No, I agree with everyone here. What they said um, could be nerve-wracking, um, pretty much like a dog and pony show, in mm-hmm. my opinion, mm-hmm. of what quality reviews are. You, whether you're preparing two weeks, that day of... It's just um, not a good position for everybody in the building, especially if you get back how, how well or how you perform in the quality review. Mm-hmm. And it can bring morale, low morale, if it's not delivered correctly amongst the staff. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You feel a belittled almost. Definitely. Like you're not good enough. Definitely. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm getting the sense from our conversation that the impact quality review has had on school communities is poor and not something impactful so maybe instead of probing that it'd be helpful to think what would be ways that you would suggest the quality review process being adapted to be more hospitable to teachers and work with schools as opposed to popping in for a day or two days and then making 
um, an evaluation. Kristen? Yeah, I think um, with what your question is, um, schools are often thought to be run as like a well-oiled machine, Mm -hmm. and it's not really taken into consideration that you have like all different personalities of teachers and then all different personalities of administration and students Mm -hmm. thrown into the mix. And like Shanique had said earlier, anything could go on in that one moment that they're in your room. Mm -hmm. And to speak to what you asked, maybe if it wasn't just one day, Mm -hmm. like you're coming in one day in, depending on when your quality review falls, it could be in the beginning of the year or it could be at the end of the year after testing when the students are just like drained and done and they might just not perform to that. Maybe it could be like a four times a year thing, come mm-hmm. each quarter mm-hmm. and get like a real snapshot of what the school's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Are there other ideas out there? I think, like, I completely agree with Kristen. Like, I think that would be great to have more than one. And even though it sounds horrible, like, who wants them in, in the building that many times? Yeah. Like, I mean, no one really talking wants about that. how stressful Exactly. Like, I mean, like, no one wants them in the building that many times. But it would be great instead of having this, um, the weight of the one day, like, to be the label of the school for the entire year until you, or until you have it again. But also, I think with communication, I think communication is key. I think if admin has great communication with, with their teachers and they trust their teachers because I feel like if you're an administrator and you hired a teacher, that means you trust that they're capable to do the job. Mm -hmm. So then that means that we can have a leveled adult conversation about what's expected and then model it as well. So we can do just like we do with the kids, like have a chart of what you want, Mm -hmm. what that day, what it should look like, the Mm -hmm. flow of that day, and then have an open forum where we could ask and answer questions. Mm -hmm. And that way we all leave with the same vision that you have. Because I think what happens is that administrators have a vision and they don't share it with their teachers. Mm -hmm. And so we're coming in trying to do our best, but we have no idea actually what the standard of best is. Mm -hmm. And we miss it greatly. (laughs) And then they get upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think if I can synthesize what the two of you have said, what I'm hearing is that, one, there's at the principal level communication mm-hmm. within the school, but also state policymakers and state actors mm-hmm. who need to realize, right, that, like, a one-time view is is not a tenable mm-hmm. thing for a school. Ivana, exactly. do you want to add something? Yeah, so I agree with Shanique. I think that it's, it's really effective to be prepared before, ahead of time mm-hmm. of the quality review. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been at my school for two quality reviews, and I have to say the second one, even though we didn't score high, we pretty much stayed at the same. I think maybe we scored higher on one or two um, areas, but we went into it a lot more prepared than we did for our first quality review. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe like two weeks or three weeks prior to the quality review, we were prepped, we were given questions that we'd be expected to answer, mm-hmm. we were given what our school beliefs are, what, how we believe our students learn best. Um, and then, you know, it was kind of like a study guide, so we were able to take it home and annotate and come back and ask questions. And, I mean, to be honest, we don't know how our students learn best. They want to hear certain things, and it, it was just... Not that we don't, I'm sorry, that didn't sound, not that we don't lo- know how our students right. learn no, best, no. but there's not like one uniform way of how sure, our students right. learn. Right. So Absolutely. to be able, you know, to be able to put that into a, a 10 minute snapshot, it's it's really difficult, but it was, it helped that we got the um, the questions ahead of time and that we were prepared and, you know, it, it just didn't feel as rushed or as fake as it did yeah. for the first quality review. It was just really genuine and we did the best we could and you know, we were happy with some of our results and we weren't as happy with others, but, you know, that's... Do you mind if I ask you just a quick follow-up question on sure. that? So, 
you had this communication from your administration, mm-hmm. and you said that made you feel more confident in doing that. Did it make people on your staff also feel like they were more putting on a show because, mm-hmm. ah, this is what we need to do? Because you said you knew you wanted what the state to hear, or was it just empowering? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say it was either. Um, okay. I would say it just felt more agent like. It was. It didn't really feel like a dog and pony show because it's it's not something that they surprised us with. You know, like here we're having a quality review within two, a quality review in two weeks. It was more like, we've heard it since September. We've heard it for years, so we know that you know it's 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 something that that they preach to us all the time. It's not like, oh, you haven't heard this since last year. Now we want you to start talking it and start believing it. So it's it's vocabulary that's always used and it's questions that are always asked and that are brought up throughout the years. So, you know, it was just reinforced more for the quality review. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Jackie, you wanted to? Yeah, something Ivana said made me think about um, how important it is, the, how administrators communicate to teachers about this in terms of tone and attitude. Because mm-hmm. I've been in, in um, schools where, um, while I sympathize with all the pressure that's put on administrators, they kind of communicate that anxiety to teachers and it becomes um, everyone just sort of takes on the anxiety and I don't think that creates the best snapshot in any case but when but when administrators communicate confidence you know like we've got this we're just going to do what we always do and show them our best selves um, I feel a really different sort of feeling around it for Mm -hmm. teachers (laughs) Justine did you want to add something um I feel like I was around for two quality reviews, and the second one, our administration was like, we have a great team here. We are confident in what we're doing, um, so just do what you what you guys do every day. You know what you need to do, and I think that having those conversations all year, like mm-hmm. using the language that was going to come up in the quality review really helped us, and just having that like la- more of a lead-back attitude and like just ha- displaying confidence in what we were doing made us more confident in the quality review and ourselves and what we had to do for that day. Thanks, that's really insightful. Um, Go ahead, Laura. Um, It's interesting because it sounds like the problem is not so much with the quality review itself or having people into your school to, you know, look or see or evaluate, but it's the way it happens. And Mm -hmm. so it sounds like that the issue is that dog and pony thing that's Mm -hmm. going on. Like that's what, because Shanique, you're saying, it's okay if they come four times if it's more authentic. Mm-hmm. If if they're actually and and Ivana, it sounds like you were saying that too a little bit. So I think that's really interesting that you're all saying like, we'll open our doors, mm-hmm. but just let's be clear about what it is you're looking for and what mm-hmm. it is you're going to see. One of the things that I think is really interesting is that over the last few years, the weight of the quality review has changed mm-hmm. a lot. So those of you who've been in the system and seen different responses to quality reviews, you may have um, seen a shift in how focused people are on them. A few years ago, the quality review was worth maybe like 10 or 11% of a school's overall rating in the city. Mm. And student achievement, graduation rate, regents, test scores, credit accumulation, those things were worth more like 85% of a school's mm. rating. But that's almost completely flipped now. Mm-hmm. Now, a quality review is worth almost 60% mm-hmm. of the school's rating. So if we're seeing our principals like start freaking mm-hmm. out more and more and more about them, it's because it actually has a greater impact mm-hmm. on how the school is viewed in the city. Yeah. Mm. Kristen, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, just to jump off of what um, Jackie, um, Laura said. Um, as an educator, it's almost kind of degrading because... You go through the whole year and you get observed, you get informal observations, and 
formal observations from your principal and admin and you get rated effectively or however you're getting rated and then the quality review comes and they almost ask you to completely change what you've been doing and do a show and a dance and it's like well, how, how have I been teaching so well and moving and putting everything I have every single day, and now when it's the most important day, you want me not to do that? Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of takes away from how you are as a teacher. It makes you feel mm-hmm. that your normal day-to-day way or passionate way of teaching isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that speaks to the disconnect again mm-hmm. between you know what needs to be done in the classroom, yeah. the administration, the <laughs> district, the state, yeah. and no one's talking with each other, they're just talking at each other. Right. Um, one thing that I do want to ask you all, since you are here at a CPAT workshop, which... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have to we have to plug this because our listeners won't won't, won't do it unless we say it. Um, but so you're here for a workshop on building um, your relationships and improving with co-teaching, right? Okay. And so okay. I I'm curious if you feel the professional developments that you're doing here are going to help you with the quality review in the sense that the quality review is looking that you have a curriculum that is accessible to all students and is engaging for all students that it's providing or that you as teachers provide multiple entry points um, Mm -hmm. for different learners do you feel that you're getting that from this type of professional development yeah i definitely do i think it has helped me like it says in the name, develop professionally. <laughs> um, in the in the sense of just understanding like how in order for the ICT classroom to work, like the ICT teachers need to work. And so I think that it's been helpful to see like our hear our ideas in a safe space where there's no pressure. Because sometimes in the classroom or in the just in the school environment when you're trying to plan, there's a lot of pressure there to make sure that this comes out right, to make sure this comes out well, to make sure that you're seen and I'm seen. So I think that in this environment it's been great to like learn different ways, um, different modes of teaching, like with images or using a podcast or um, instead like, hey, use a double entry journal. Just different activities that we can use throughout the year that can also it also helps when we're being observed as well because mm-hmm. then they see different things every time they come to see us. Mm-hmm. And I know that's been the case for um, me and Michael, teacher Kristen. Um, we've seen it where the teacher came in to see something where I did like a double entry journal the last time we used it. And then the next time we came, they got to see us really team teach and really balance off of each other using the metacognition um, teaching that we had learned. So I think it was pretty great. And it, it does work because then when the QR comes, then we can have ideas and suggestions to present to our administrators like, okay, this is what we've done. Out of these, which one is the one you really like the best so that we can do it that day and please you? <laughs> so, and it's, it seems to work because it, it gives more suggestions. And when you have suggestions, you look really good in front of administrators. So if I can rephrase what you're saying is that CPET gives the best professional development in the city. <laughs> I don't know why there's laughter. Someone must have told a funny joke. Um, But that is the best professional development in the city, and you will be able to improve on your teacher evaluation and quality review with CPREP professional development. Absolutely, Matt. Absolutely. (laughs) See, we all learned here. It's a collaborative environment. Um, 
<laughs> so I won't keep uh, promoting the brand right now, but <laughs> since we are getting a little short on time, I just want to go around um, for anyone who feels that if they have advice mm -hmm. or even just things for teachers and leaders that are going through the quality review process to keep in mind, maybe just words of encouragement, um, but any thoughts? Nikki? Um, I have something in mind that when you're looking at a quality review, if you're a new teacher, um, as I have done in the past, just the grade doesn't really tell you everything you need mm -hmm. to know about the school. It's actually hands-on, like being in the school. I've been to some schools where they had wonderful ratings, mm -hmm. and I had a horror story experience within that school. So I would just say really thoroughly do research about that school, not just use the quality review as a baseline, maybe go around the area, ask a few teachers who work in that building the experience, because that will tell you a lot other than a quality review. Mm -hmm. That will tell you more than a quality review. Well put, well put. Uh, Kristen? Um, yeah, I think... Um, just as a teacher who's been through it, it was something Justine said that her principal had told them, just you do what you do every day, and yeah. if you come to work passionately and you're confident with the way that you stand in front of children and what you do, then just keep doing that. And one little rubric from one day of a review or two days of a review is not your end all for your teaching career. You can't let that mm -hmm. bring you down. Or even in a meeting, how Lauren, Laura had said about the way the principal kind of delivers it or your administration delivers it, like you almost have to take it with a grain of salt because it is just a snapshot of your whole entire 10-month year with your kids that are coming in one or two days. Like, don't stress that much. Not even a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have advice for school leaders because um, this great advice has been given to the teachers. So for school leaders, like, Communicate exactly what you need and what you want and be honest about your vision and be honest about what needs to be seen because if you know that you had a failing grade or a low grade before and you want to definitely improve on that, obviously, then you've got to communicate that honestly because the work ethic of your teachers builds upon your conversations that you have with them. So if you don't have conversations with them, they're not building a work ethic to support you because you don't support them. And so I think that communication would be key for school leaders to communicate with their supervisors, that communicates with their teachers, and then our the teachers will communicate with their students, and we will put on a good show for you. <laughs> Roberta, you're going to jump into the fray here? I'm going to jump into the fray. I also have some advice for school leaders, mm -hmm. and it's in the form of a metaphor. And that is, if you're going to prepare for your quality review two weeks before it starts, it's just like trying to study for a test the mm -hmm. morning that that test is going to happen. For real. We should be preparing for the quality review from the first day of school. Mm -hmm. And Excellent. I would say, if I were a school leader, after all of the kids have been programmed and everyone's been teaching their class for a week, we're going to have a mock quality review. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do everything that I can do to prepare that. So I'm going to say, what is our theory of action? How do we think students learn best? Mm -hmm. I'm going to poll my teachers. I'm going to have small group meetings. I'm going to have small group meetings with kids. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start there to setting my goals mm -hmm. and my intention for the school. The quality review rubric is a pathway for how great schools can perform. This is what, what we know best about what works in education. Mm -hmm. So I need to be thinking about that from the very beginning of mm -hmm. the year so that when the quality review comes, just like if I'm studying every night and preparing every night and the day of the test, I got this. I don't even have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. But um, And the, that day of the test for schools is the quality review. We should be studying for it all year. That's so good. I agree with that. That was well amazing. <laughs> Well, like, does anyone want to follow that up then? I don't know. <laughs> Start from September. <laughs> <laughs> I think. 
Um, well, so thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for our teachers for joining us. Um, and remember to subscribe, like, review this podcast, and share with your friends. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.